Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. My name is Benjamin Rahula and you're listening to Eleven, the official theater podcast. Hello and welcome to Eleven, the official theatre podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. He's known internationally for his adorable personality and extraordinary musical talent and is one of the Broadway community's most trusted musical directors and collaborators with an army of famous friends to vouch for him. He's the musical director for Academy Award winner Ariana DeBose and was a named creative on her 2022 Tony Awards opening song. And this August, he will join Jeremy Jordan back on stage for two exclusive performances at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane for Live in London. And in case you didn't know, he's also a Britney Spears superfan. So here, in an exclusive conversation direct from New York, we discuss heading back to the UK to spread some magic alongside his friend Jeremy with Live in London, the global success of Disney Princess, the concert, and if there are plans to bring the show to British shores. We also discuss his rather showbiz night at the 2022 Tony Awards, and what advice he would give to his younger self who dreamed of reaching just some of the extraordinary milestones he has. So please get ready to welcome musical genius Benjamin Rauhola here now on this, the next episode of Eleven, the official theatre podcast. To ensure the safety of all involved in this episode of Eleven, Ben and I connected for this conversation digitally, so please forgive any brief moments while we wait for the internet to catch up. Enjoy. Please welcome to this, the next episode of Eleven. He's one of the Broadway community's most trusted musical directors and collaborators, a proud theatrical nerd, and also all of our fairy god fairy. Hello, Benjamin Rahula. How are you feeling today? Happy and gay? Happy and gay, as always. Bright and easy, coming to you from the Upper West Side of Manhattan and feeling sunshine and happiness. And um, really grateful to be talking to you, William, and to be um, absorbing your British accent. I hope by the time this interview is done that I'll just be doing it too. I mean, I'm absolutely okay with that. So please feel like sort of mimic me, mock me, praise me, maybe even let's do everything right. Perfect. My spi- my British accent is just all five Spice Girls combined. So I'm just going to switch regions. I'll be Northern, <laughs> I'll be Southern, I'll be Central. It'll be all the things. It's very exciting for people like me who I'd say we definitely are friends, but also supporters and fans of your work because we get to basically just embrace every single part of you with a rather exciting project. So I'm 
going to start there because there's lots of other fun questions that I want to ask you. But let's talk shop for a second and then we can talk fun things after that. Yeah. And it is still a fun thing. And that is you and a certain person that you know very well at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane. Arguably, I think, and I think we're allowed favourites when it comes to theatres, the best theatre that the UK theatre scene has to offer. It is beautiful. I mean, number one, was this like, yeah, fuck yeah, of course I'm going to be part of this. This must have been like the easiest yes you've ever agreed to. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it was... Anytime that Darren and the fourth wall people call, you know, I'm like, oh, 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 this is the moment. This is what it is. And so whatever they were going to ask me to do, it was going to be a big yes. But then we're like, you and Jeremy on the West End proper. I was like, oh, so like us on the same stage where Samantha Barks is belting Let It Go every day. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you basically are our very own Elsa anyway. So you can live out your Elsa fantasy. You could pretend like you're Samantha Barks, but also you're like, what, like second cover. Let's call you second cover Samantha Barks. How about that? Okay, perfect. Great. I will channel, I will, I will, I'll do channel Samantha Barks, I'll channel Caroline Bowman, I will do all the things. You are literally just a wealth of Elsas in your wheelhouse. You've got I know, and my Casey Levy too. She's a retired Elsa, but we still shout out to Casey. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact we've come on to Elsa, so we've been talking for about two minutes, already obsessed. You should say, <laughs> this is with you and your longtime friend, Jeremy Jordan, playing at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane at the very, very end of August, the 29th, and now the 30th, that extra date, which is very important, because surprise, surprise, you both sold it out in like a record number of time people went absolutely crazy what's it like getting to play or the idea of getting to play a venue of that size but with somebody that you know so well is that a challenge to keep it intimate or do you know that the second the lights come on he's going to switch on and we know you are too yeah I think you know it's just going to be you know our normal Ben and Jeremy thing will happen and the bigger things are in pre-production like I'm writing a bunch of new string charts you know we're really trying to and we're having background vocals over there for the first time so just making sure everything is sort of set and ready that part is a little bigger um and I think we have a little more time to tech the show in the theater because they're planning some really cool stuff with the lights um but uh yeah I think the best thing to do for us is you know really trusting what it is that he does well and what I do well and just trying to make sure that he's able to connect with the audience in the best way he can, which is really, you know, by singing and telling us stories, which is what we do anyway. And you're a huge part of this performance as well. Of course, you do lead musically, but also we get to know you. And I feel like one of the great joys of this collaboration is that you very much share the stage. It's an opportunity for us to fall in love with you. We did it at Cadogan Hall on many, many occasions. You have this wonderful, wonderful, larger than life personality. Do you feel more at home on the stage with him than in some of your other pairings? Is he sort of a cheeky, naughty fate? Yeah, you know, Jeremy and I, we've been doing this for so long together that I know I'm not worried about throwing him if I have something to say, or if he says something ridiculous, I know that like, I can jump in and be like, what did you just say? And it's not gonna like throw our friendship or throw him in the show, you know, it's, but he kind of loves when things are spontaneous and he sort of enjoys when things go wrong or go sort of awry. And I also know that Jeremy thinks I'm funny. And so, <laughs> you know, it's it's fun for me to try to make him laugh because, you know, we have a very similar sense of humor, I think. And so, yeah, with Jeremy, there's a, a lot of freedom because it's I know it's fun for him when I jam in and he encourages it. So we just, you know, we take our nine years of chaotic friendship and we just see what happens. I love the fact you said you make him laugh. You make all of us laugh. It's not just him. We all get the joy <laughs> of that because you are very, very naughty. But you guys, like, I don't think I've ever really seen you be that serious on stage. Like, I feel like the magic and the spark and the creative joy comes from complete ownership of yourself. Like, you are completely yourself and he is completely himself. And it must have been nice the first time when you realised that that really connected, that there was something special there. My gosh, that's really kind of you to say. And yeah, I, I think, and it was really early on, we were doing his first shows in San 
Francisco and he was terrified, which I know that's like for, you know, Jeremy is like the world's most secure person, but he'd never been himself on stage like that before. And so I started chiming in to like, I would help keep him on track because he would be so nervous that he wouldn't know how to, you know, get to the next song. Or I think, remember the second song was moving too fast and he did the first verse three times. And we were like, so he was like really scared. And so, you know, I kind of hopped in and like my little fairy god, fairyish way, you know, that was before that existed. But, you know, I knew that like, if I was, I was a presence in his life that I could just be like, oh, hey, blah, blah, blah. Why don't you talk about this? Or he would say something funny or he would say something sort of upside down and I'd make a joke about it. And um, really quickly became an easy way to get him comfortable being himself on stage is by feeling like he was not up there by himself. And so I think that's where our kind of funny onstage banter dynamics came from. <laughs> and I could never imagine an opportunity or a show where you would just sit there and play as brilliantly as you do and not chime in at all. I don't think that needs to exist in the world. Please don't ever do that. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm honored. Thank you. But once in a while at a charity benefit, they don't give me a mic. And I'm like, well, it's your loss. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I can project. Don't worry. I don't need a microphone to be mm. able to be told to do this. Oh, yeah. I've, I've this got gay voice, it cuts, it cuts, you know. Yeah. It's, you're, you're going to hear it. <laughs> if I say something, it's, you're going to know. <laughs> I feel like, what's that famous line from Abba where she's like, darling, I've got range. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have the range, but the range I have is loud and piercing. <laughs> yes, loud and gay. And we're absolutely here for it. Can mm-hmm. you talk to me about what the support of UK audiences have meant to you on a personal level? Because we can joke about the fact that it's fun. You have this amazing relationship. You're, of course, awesomely talented. But UK audiences are very protective of people that they like. And they come back all the time to see you and they want to protect you. And I know that they're also very kind in giving you gifts and compliments at Sage Door. I mean, we really sort of have thrown our arms around you both physically as well as sort of globally during the pandemic. I know that everybody in every concert is like, "Mm, Orlando, you've been the best audience ever. But that really, really applies when it's in London. You know, the reaction even... The, it was the, when we played um, the Hippodrome, it was a really wonderful reaction. But I remember it was the first time we played Cadogan, and just like the, the 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 rock star ovation, and like the screams and the singing along, and just like the thrill and the excitement of it. You know, it's um, I, it's a really incredible. And I grew up, you know, really wanting to be a British teenager. I had like had a subscription to Top of the Pops magazine and wanted to be a Spice Girl. So to be like in that part of the world and to feel. Honestly, like Jeremy and I were always like, we're more famous in London. We should just move there. You know what I mean? Everybody just likes us better there anyway. So we might as well just do that. Um, it's, you know, it's for both of us. It's really walking on stage in London is like walking on a cloud of joy. It's the easiest thing. It's the most fun. You kind of don't want to ever get off the stage, which is, um, you know, why we end up doing two hours or whatever it is when we're supposed to do an hour and a half. or Because it's really... Every memory I have of performing in London is complete joy, even with the jet lag. You know, I remember doing a matinee that must have been 2 p.m., but I don't know what time that is in, in, in like where it is in New York. But I remember being like, this is really, we're doing this at like 9 a.m., aren't we, Jeremy? Like, this is what this feels like. We're, 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 we may not survive, but we do. But it's, it's wild. It's my favorite thing. And it's his, too. You know, it's really... That feeling is very, not just me, it's very mutual between the two of us. An honorary Brit, I think, is what we can definitely call you by now. I feel like you've definitely earned that title, particularly with your love of the Spice Girls, which is top tier Britishness. Well, thank you. I know it's like well, the first time someone called us Jezza and Beza, I was like, hmm? Um, but I was like, oh, I was like, that is, that is, <laughs> that is British love right there. And honestly, the first time anyone ever yelled to me on the street, like someone yelled like, fairy god, fairy across the street to me was in London. And I was like, am I famous? Which I'm not. But you know, it's like, you you know, British theater fans take theater YouTube very, very seriously and cast albums and 
It's, you know, in New York, everyone in the theater community or like everyone in those 10 blocks where Broadway happens kind of pretends to have a level of chill more often than not. You know what I mean? It's like celebrities or whatever, just go by Broadway people. Um, not calling myself a celebrity, but like, you know, Tom Hanks walks by and people pretend they don't see. Whereas in London, it was a little more just like if you were around where theater people were, they were just so excited you were there. And I just, um, that energy was so sweet um, and fun for me because I, I'm a little more of a person now, but back when that was, I don't know, like 2017, I was really nobody. So that was very fun for me. When it comes to UK audiences, you reference about, of course, how successful you guys have been here. Does it still take you by surprise, just the level of fandom that you both have equally earned? Because to be able to achieve the success that you have, like even playing these shows at Drury Lane, like that is sort of top tier level of success. And it's absolutely justly deserved, but I can imagine not lost on you just how special those moments are. You know, and I really, and I will, I know that you, you're you so kind to call me humble and I am, but it's like, it's really, it's like, 90% him and like 10% me, but I'm so grateful to be there for the 10%. But um, no, it's not, um, I think it's always shocking when it happens, you know what I mean? Because Cadogan feels, honestly, it feels a lot like playing Carnegie Hall, which is just like crazy. It's crazy that there are that many people and they are that excited to be there. And I think when it comes to um, playing Drury Lane, I don't think it's really gonna dawn on us until it, until the first time we meet the audience, you know, because up until then it's like, you're doing the work, you're getting it ready because he and I are both perfectionists. And so we're going to do everything in our power to make sure it's excellent. Um, and then hopefully if we do our job right, the reception will be, you know, the kind of reception we've had before, but on, you know, double the scale, it's over twice as many people at both shows. It's really incredible. And to be in like such a historic place, you know, and like a really legendary building and like to be in England where theater has been happening, you know, so much longer than it has over here. You know, it's really, I, I don't know, it's gonna be really surreal. It's like, we're at the point now where we're just like doing the work and getting it ready, but I'm so glad we have two shows too, so that there's more time to sort of absorb it rather than be nervous about it. The Theatre Royal Drury Lane means that there is a royal aspect to the building, apart from the fact it has ownership and connections to the British royal family. It also has a royal box, which if you've seen the inside of the pictures is a pretty iconic and signature part, just as you're looking out from the audience on the right-hand side. Let's sort of think dream people. Who would you like to see sat in that royal box if we could have anybody there watching you? <laughs> Very easy. Emma, Melby, Melcy, Victoria, and Jerry. Why? Of course, like if you're going to ask me like who is British royalty? Who goes in the royal box? It's very hard to get all five of them there. I don't think Mel B is usually on the continent. You know, Emma has a radio show every week. Melcy's around. <laughs> Actually, I feel like Melcy's doing like maybe Bright and Pride is that weekend or something like the week before where I'm like, hmm? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, but that's the thing. I'm like, I, I hope someday when we do the Disney show over there, my Disney princess show, which I think will happen. I think that's an easier ask. I'm like, I don't know that those girls know who me and Jeremy are, but they certainly know who Belle and Elsa and Ariel are. You know, they all have kids. <laughs> I love the fact that, that you, I'm just like, this is such a good question. Like, that is such a stupid question. Of course I want all five of them to be there. So Spice Girls is like the ultimate Royals, British Royals to you, right? Yeah, I mean, and then uh, right after that would be like Rachel Stevens and John Lee from S Club, you know, 
I mean, Rachel Stevens, come on, Sweet Dreams, my LAX, some girls, come on. Talk me through what your social media has been like since you've announced that. Have you got people just counting down the days? Yeah, the Brits pop in. It's actually, the uh, the Brits are particularly active on Twitter, which I don't know why. It's always been like that since we started performing there. And so it always makes me happy when you see that sort of like sneak into your into your mentions or DMs. You know, people are excited about like this many days or I just booked my hotel but the influx of when it was announced was really, really fun. And when everything was going on sale, um, I forget what on earth was going on at the time. You know, it was like, it's been a heck of a year for me. I think maybe we were, when was that? Maybe Princess was at the Kennedy Center where we were getting ready for that. And it was very, I was like in the crux of it all. And um, I know, and I feel really lucky that it's happening so quickly after Bonnie and Clyde too, because I did not get to come over for Bonnie and Clyde. Um, in the midst of what was going on with COVID at that time. And I was just recovering and about to head on my Disney tour and was supposed to quarantine. And I thought maybe we weren't going to get asked to come over for a while after that, but instead it's just this summer. <laughs> Did you get much of a conversation with Jeremy about how Bonnie and Clyde went? And of course the fact he got to play in Drury Lane. Yeah, I mean, he had a lovely time and he was nervous because obviously, you know, he has so many memories with, you know, all of the people he did that with in New York. So what was that going to be like sort of going back to this music with a whole new set of people. But um, Darren and the gang really assembled a really incredible group of people for him to do that with. And yeah, he had a great time. And obviously he's incredible singing that music. And so I think that, you know, audience love for that material was healing given, you know, what sort of like an abrupt ending that that show had, you know, 10 years ago. Um, to have sort of an experience like that was, I think, really full circle for him. Yeah, definitely. It, it felt like a gift as an audience member. It felt you felt really special and lucky to get to to get for us to even have that show here. I mean, stuff that faces the sort of end that that it did in New York means often, sadly, that the sort of the nail goes in the coffin and you have to yeah. listen to the Broadway bootlegs now and again just to remind yourself of the brilliance. But to to experience it is lovely. And of course, I'm not saying that it was a warm up to Drury Lane and you guys, but let's just call it the unofficial warm up and then we can call you. <laughs> I mean, I'd say you'd make a lovely Bonnie Parker. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really grateful that, it, you know, it developed us like Darren and everybody's relationship with that space and what it's like to book there. And kind of it gave them knowledge about what we want this show to feel like as we're expanding this one to really fill that space and you know obviously jeremy could fill that space with just his voice but we want to give people their money's worth now as much as i feel like i work for architect daily and i could talk about the theater or jury lane for ages there's just a couple of other things that i'd love to talk to you about and i said at the start that you are awesomely talented and this is absolutely true and we got to experience that on an international level most recently with the opening of the Tony Awards and a certain lady that you worked with. So congratulations again and again and again for the genius sort of opening number that you made. Have your feet touched the ground since that? Because that might be my favorite Tony opening ever. Oh, oh, you're a ham. <laughs> um, you know, it's um, honestly, it's it sort of set me up for the start of truly like I'm having the best summer ever. I'm having the best time. And so um, it, was so fun and Ariana and I, I'm sorry, this was, you know, with Academy Award winner Ariana DeBose, uh, we were so happy with how it went and like, I remember going backstage right after it happened and it was commercial break and I, we were both like, well, that, that was, that was like the best run she had ever done and we delivered, you know, it was like what we envisioned and it came across and it did and so then she wasn't nervous for the rest of the telecast because we, tried to make that the musical theater Olympics for her. And that was obviously the hardest thing she had to do for the whole night. So then hosting, ironically, was so easy for her. You think hosting the Tony Awards is like, <gasps> but compared to how hard we made her work in those first five minutes, it was such a relief. And then just the entire rest of the evening was like such a celebration of that and of her. And, you know, we really wanted the piece um, 
your round of applause. We wanted it to feel like a celebration of theater in general. And so I think that energy just carried throughout the night and it carried throughout the parties. And it was really one of the most magical experiences. Like getting to do it was so fun, but obviously we were like Jeremy, it's like we were perfectionists working up until the moment, like really, really fighting our way through. And we're just like singing backstage and coaching through and um, and then it happened, but we had enough time to still live in the joy of it, which was amazing. So it was, and the parties after, we stayed out till like six in the morning the next day. And it was one of the best nights of my life because it was, it was like, I wasn't just like out celebrating my friends things or something. And I, that's happened so often where it's like, oh, it was like, I was a part of the Tony Awards. And like the big thing we were all celebrating, I wasn't just some random assistant. It was like, I was Ari's person, you know, and we were celebrating Hermie and I have to say Kirk Crowley, who did the thing with us, um, who's an absolute genius and we couldn't have done it without. Um, but he was filming the Color Purple movie. He's the music supervisor on that. And so he wasn't with us that night, but we got to really, really, I, I just enjoy being a part of Broadway history kind of as it was happening. I'll treasure that for the rest of my life. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What do you think having your work displayed through even sort of greater the fact that it was your friend? What do you think a moment like that meant to the younger you that I imagine sat at home like I do sort of on the carpet with your parents watching the Tony Awards thinking, how am I ever going to be part of this? What do you think that moment would have meant to him? Oh, my gosh. Um... You know what's so funny is they didn't do musicals at my high school. So it was like I was like a musical theater fan and I had singer friends and I was really focused on music and didn't fall into a, into until college. I got sort of pushed into music directing, not pushed, but I fell in and I was like, oh, this is for me. This is what I'm going to do. Um, I, I probably wouldn't have known what to make of it, except that it was just if I could have seen it and been like, you know, what's going to get you there is your friendships, you know, and that what your success is actually going to come from is how you treat people you know and how you treat people when you're just new like not fancy people but just it's the relationships you build and the friendships you have are going to be the thing that carries you all the way to the top um and also that the singers in your life are going to be the thing that carries you you know that would have shocked me i was like oh it's about my actor friends that that's who's going to make me successful that's so interesting um I, I think, uh, who even knows? It's, I think about that a lot with the Disney project I work on too, that I was like a little kid who had an aerial doll and I was just down a cruise with Jody Benson and like, and you know, she was so happy to be performing with me. And I was like, I'm so happy to be performing with you. That's absurd. You're literally aerial. What is going on? You know, um, I guess it's what's surreal about it is I feel like I'm in a, I'm in a season right now where I feel like I've become exactly who I was supposed to be. And, and so and when people ask, what do you want next, this or that, I'm like, I just want more of what's going on here. Like, I'm so happy with the opportunities I have in my life. And I know they may not last forever, but for now they're, you know, I'm going on tour again in the fall with the girls and there's more and more happening. And I'm just running around with the people I love most in the world. And so I hope younger me would just be like, wow, that happiness is actually really kind of simple. It's like, it's amazing work, but the, 
I wasn't like, oh my God, the night of, I wasn't like, oh my gosh, I worked on the Tony Awards, what a dream come true. It really was, it was about her and it was about me being there with her and supporting her in that moment, you know, and us having traveled all the way from her being an understudy to her being this megawatt superstar together and and getting to be there because we've been so good to each other over the years through the the dark times and the good times. That is, I don't know, I, I don't even know how to describe what that is, except that it is the most amazing gift that any friend could ever give you and such a cool life path to be on you know that's and she worked hard i worked hard like we earned our way up there but it is really it feels lucky and incredible that that's where we ended up and i love the fact that your friendship has remained that's the most important thing that you still get to have your friend that that feels important yeah oh my gosh yesterday i mean i literally she's in town for a couple days and i went to her apartment and we were gonna like walk in central park or something but we just sat in the apartment and caught up for four and a half hours and that's just that's what we did, you know, and um, and hung out with the cats. Yeah, it's really surreal and um, and fun. And I'm really thrilled to be in that space with Jeremy, too. And, you know, kind of as he's coming out of like Little Shop and he had taken a few months off to really focus on being a father. And so to get to kind of step back into, you know, going to London and we've got some more concerts coming up in September and stepping back into making that music again after the pandemic and all of that crazy stuff, it's... um. It's really cool to just be living in the friendships and that just happens to be my job. You know, I'm really the luckiest person in the world. And I know I say that like 27 times, but it's like, you know, if I was listening to this, I'd be like, oh my God, he doesn't actually work. People pay him to do that. (laughs) Bless him. I think that's one of the geniuses of what you do is that you make difficult but important things fun and I think if it's fun it feels authentic because also you know that you're doing it for the right reasons and I think that's one of the great charms being around you having the pleasure of getting to know you is that you bring such an energy to it and that's very very apparent based and I know social media can be deceptive for anyone starts getting in on at me but just based on the friendships that you very clearly earn and people post about you and how much you mean to them and it feels very it feels very nice to watch from afar to get to see you succeeding and to get to see you really shining. And and, and you reference some of the amazing people that you've got to work with, with, with Disney Princess, the concert, but that has become just this beast of success. I mean, you reference the fact that you're getting to go back out on tour again, but how has the last, I mean, what we are now August, how has the last sort of 12 months been with it? Because it's just taken off, right? I mean, it was, you know, it was up and down and back and forth. You know, our fall 2021 tour is actually what we're doing this fall, but we got to go on the road from, you know, the end of January through the middle of April. We did 13 weeks, we did 60 cities. And I, you know, after everything everybody went through the last couple of years, I really didn't ever think it was going to happen. And it took me probably until two weeks into the tour when we were really on the bus and going city to city where I was like, oh, this is really happening. And also to be crude, I think it was honestly, it was when the first paycheck came in where I was like, oh, like I'm actually, this is a, this is a job. Like this is happening. You know what I mean? I was like, I, I was like, not only is like, it's crazy that the show is even happening and people are like, like I'm a fairy god fairy in a Disney show. It's like this dumb thing I made up in a basement in, in, in New York City is suddenly has like the label you would ever want on it. But it, it actually was a job that paid money. I was like, this is insane. It is insane that, that this is actually the progress of where my life is. And um, I'm very lucky to my entire team. So many people work so hard to do that. You know, I'm out there with Susan, who's our executive producer now. Our Prince Charming Adam works day and night, you know, and and obviously and the girls I made it with, I'm so grateful to. Courtney was off doing Moulin Rouge. Laura's been doing a lot of recording out in Tennessee. And 
Um, it's been really wild to see where that journey took us. And um, we're in such a happy moment. We're playing at uh, D23 next month, which is Disney's Fan Expo. And so we're going to play for thousands of like Disney's wildest fans next month. And I mean, we played for hundreds of thousands of people on tour. We used to be a show that played for 140 people. And I can't even describe to you. And also uh, what that feels like. And also Disney let me be as gay as I wanted to be. They were so encouraging about it. And we, the, the amount of negative feedback we got, which there was a little bit, was so small compared to what you would think given how we toured through the entire country. And that actually makes me feel really hopeful about what the next generation of kids will be like, you know, and um, even just what this generation of parents is like, you know, because people my age have kids now. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm the late one, but yeah, it's really the joy of my life. I mean, there are so many joys in my life, clearly, but that really, that was the beginning of sort of what is the best year ever. You know, I got off of that. I was um, getting the girls ready for our symphony debut at the Kennedy Center and doing a concert with Jeremy and his wife. And Ariana called me and she's like, I need you to sign this little NDA and then I need you to call me. And she asked me to do the Tony Awards with her. And I was like, and I was ready to just not do anything this summer. You know what I mean? But, and because I had space, suddenly I was like, oh, I'm co-arranging the opening number for the Tony Awards. Okay, cool. Like, and was on calls with, um, you know, Toby and Lucy, the writers of Six, in the green room at the Kennedy Center on my break from our symphony rehearsal. You know, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> um, in the best way possible. You know, and of course, we're going to listen to this in like a year and something awful is going to have happened to me. You know what I mean? A little no, band Bella canceled, found under a truck. But like, no. it'll be like, but I really am in the middle of such a great moment and it keeps going and I'm so... I'm like, I'm just trying to enjoy every bit of it because I'm like, you know, it's showbiz. They're, you know, monkey box could take over the world and end show business again. You know, I have no idea. But um, for the moment, I'm having the best time ever. Good. Well, we're going to wrap you up in bubble wrap because nothing is going to happen to you. I make that promise. <laughs> You're not allowed. We need you in our life. Trust me. We need the joy that radiates from you all the time. So nothing oh, bad you, is allowed to happen to you at all. Do you... Nothing bad. Sorry. Oh, no. Copyright. <laughs> copyright infringement. No. Um, I'm allowed to sing three notes before it's copyright. <laughs> okay, cool. Please don't get me taken off the air. In terms of us getting to share in just a little bit of the Disney joy, is there a possibility we may see you on British shores? Yes, uh, there the, we are looking at um, next summer, we are hoping to do, I wonder if this will get me in trouble, but we're hoping to do um, a UK tour like a, about a month long and then hoping to do Europe after that. Um, it's been in talks for a long time. It, as you know, we were supposed to play in London May of 2020. That never happened. But we are hoping to do a pretty extensive tour of the countryside on a bus next year. So fingers crossed it all works out with um, the promoters and the venues and with the world staying open but that is the goal and the dream and you know the dates are on the calendar they're carved out and we're hoping it all works out so we'll see what happens wow that would be so so amazing to get to experience that i do feel a little bit sort of like the the person looking in from afar because i've seen how much joy you're bringing to so much of america with those iconic ladies many of whom originated some of the most iconic and signature disney princesses of all time which means you basically have become your very own disney princess but that's a whole different conversation but mm -hmm. we, we we it would just be such a joy and i think there's such a market for it and such a desire and love for it so i hope you're ready for the madness that you may be just about to sign up for oh my god i hope so um jody benson was just in manchester for whatever comic-con and she was telling me how fun the fans were there and what the energy was like and i was like oh good because i know you know london 
loves Jeremy, but I'm like, I'm assuming London is like that for Disney because everyone's like that for Disney, but I haven't experienced it yet. I always feel like it's a British thing, but then it's not because everybody loves Disney. So I'm just like, we can just pretend that it's a British thing. Basically just being gay is the British thing. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh my gosh. Uh, I wish being gay was the British thing, but I mean, it's fine. Also, anybody British who's listening, I'm in town from the 22nd to September 1st, and I am looking for a British husband. So just (laughs) making it clear, I am single and looking um unless william wants to marry me first why don't we just do both right we can do okay that. great are oh you know what I'll, i'm open to everybody but then if there are no candidates by september 1st william and i are getting married thank you so much <laughs> hold on a second i'm not being second choice i want to be first choice well i have to dump them so that i can choose you instead you know it's like it's all it's about the journey william it's yeah. really about the journey it's the jilted at the altar vibe that's what i think you should go with other people and then we can do like the whole is it like Coronation Street EastEnders leaves, runs away in the dress, screams? Like, I'm not saying I've planned this, but yeah. There definitely has to be some rain involved. It definitely has to be like, I have to be wearing white and it's raining. And it's, yeah, there's, I, I see it. I see it. I, I love see the it fact that the last time that we had this conversation as well, when you, uh, you and Jeremy were at Cadogan Hall, I believe the same conversation happened of me using that opportunity to find you a British husband. So I feel like I'm definitely still a black of this conversation. Well, you know, it still hasn't happened. And so, you know, a boy can dream. The Spice <laughs> Girls haven't come to my show and I haven't found a British husband. So I'm going to keep manifesting because obviously many of my dreams have come true. So, you know, I have to believe in my little Disney <laughs> wishes and um, put faith in that. Well, fingers crossed by the time it is a year later, and this conversation is old and obviously of course you are in bubble wrap and still here you will be accompanied alongside you maybe you and jeremy could make it menage a trois and it could be you jeremy and ben's husband how about that great thank you yeah okay he approves that went down really well i'm very conscious of time you've been wonderful in giving so much of your time there's just a couple of other things i'd love to talk to you about most importantly is your love of big belty pop stars, musical theatre performers. There's just a few I know that are on the list. Let's start with the fact that we're both obsessed with Celine Dion. Like, Mm. do you think that there will ever be a Celine Dion musical? If not, can you make it happen? You know, so right now in New York, there is Titanic, which is a Celine Dion parody musical, which is so funny. My friends Constantine and Marla worked on that. And it's Titanic is told through the eyes of Celine Dion. But it's like legit, it's like they got the music rights, you know? So. Which also means that like certain songs that you'd expect to be there, they couldn't get the rights to or not. Like It's All Coming Back to Me Now does not happen because as we know, It's All Coming Back to Me Now isn't bad out of hell. I mean, listen, I mean, the Celine Dion biomusical would be so lit or the biomusical or that's a good, what are you, what are you more interested in? The Celine Dion musical that tells her story or the Celine Dion musical that is just like uh, Mamma Mia with Celine Dion jukebox songs. I want the second option. I want Celine, but I don't want it to be her story. I want there to be a slight disconnect because then you're getting twice as much because you're getting something new and then Celine. Great. Yeah. Okay, so we just have to come up with the, a fierce concept. Yeah. Um, I do think it needs to be Canadian related. You know, I think that's... Yeah, I'm happy um, with that. I'm happy if somebody that looks like Justin Trudeau also stars in it because there's that amazing photograph of his bum and I would like us to recreate that in some way. <laughs> I'm very like, how do, how do you take My Heart Will Go On out of context? You know what I mean? Like, what else can you sing My Heart Will Go On about? Some of the, there's plenty of love songs, but then like some of the specific ones are like, how do you use the duet version of Beauty and the Beast in a theatrical context? Are they Beauty and the Beast? Are they singing about Beauty and the Beast like Mrs. Potts? Like, why are there two of them? What does it mean? Yeah, I feel like you are the right person to ask this out of this pairing. So bless you for asking, <laughs> what is it? but it's rhetorical. I feel like it's like that um, Miley Cyrus TikTok sound like, what does it mean? <laughs> 
what does it mean? You've been so kind with your time, Ben. I've got one very final quick question for you. I spoke a second ago about what the Tony Awards would have meant to the younger you sitting at home watching a show that is basically the highlight of us theatre nerds year. But when you look back to the success you've had with Disney, the fact you, of course, were in Fiddle on the Roof and played that on Broadway, the friendships that you've got, the fact you've met some people who you've spoken many a times before about the fact they are your personal heroes and now also friends, but also the fact you you are and continue to be, as just before this conversation when you were rehearsing, show that you're a, an important and integral part of so many people's success and they take you along with them and you're an equal part in that. What do you think all of these things would have meant to the younger you that one day thought this might be possible? You know, I think uh, that is, well, first of all, everything you just said is so kind. So thank you. That's, and that's a very, very sweet observation of my life. That's very, very kind. Um, and especially in your accent is like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> what would I have thought? You know, I really would have thought like, I was so preoccupied at that age with like, it's, I would want to tell myself it's really it's really okay that you're weird it's okay that you love dolls it's okay that you're gay it's actually gonna end up really being your superpower it's what makes you fun on stage it what makes people comfortable with you and that all of the suffering you're going through all of like the getting teased all of the feeling like society doesn't have a place for you is all just things that other people are putting on you and that like you know I mean I had no I was at the pride parade in New York the other day and I was thinking about myself at 15 and I had no idea that gay pride even existed. You know what I mean? That like, little did I know that every June, four hours from me, there were thousands upon thousands of gays in the street with rainbow flags celebrating themselves. I was out there feeling like it was just me, that I was some stupid like freak who was like never going to find their place in the world. And, and, and now I get to be a part of you know, being the fairy god fairy and like you're like talking to kids and talking about playing with dolls and we don't talk, we don't address me really being gay, but I'm myself up there and I get to be other and and there I get to meet parents and kids who are so grateful to have that example set and if I get to make that easier for someone, you know, then that's really the full circle of my own life and that is something I'm so grateful for that like to the younger me, I would say, you know what, you're going to make this better for somebody like you one of these days. Ooh, okay, that got me. But yeah, it wasn't okay for you. And what you had to go through was not okay, but you're going to make it okay for somebody else just by being brave enough to get through the next 10 years of your life. And it is okay. And you are the most wonderful human being. And I, I hope that you feel the love that we have for you. It's an important thing. And I hope that you're able to feel the love that we have because you're an extraordinary kind human being awesomely talented and most of all you're very authentic to yourself and I think in the world right there that's one thing that we desperately need so thank you so much for that for your friendship and for your time and most importantly 29th of August happy and gay do you promise happy and gay the gayest I'm really <laughs> gonna it's a bigger house so you gotta go bigger gayer and better you know You've been listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast find out more about Eleven at elevenpodcast.com or via the Broadway Podcast Network Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now. And get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org. Because only together we rise. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.